At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. CFLPA president and Saskatchewan Rough Riders linebacker Solomon Alamimian joins us live on the Three Down Nation podcast. Man, what's your offseason been like? I feel like it's real busy for you. Hey, uh, first of all, let me just say thanks for having me. Um, you know, definitely in these uncertain times, I hope you and your family are are doing well and everybody is, uh, is safe. Appreciate you, man. If you can, just take us through your offseason because... Not only do you re-sign with the Saskatchewan Marf Riders and go through what that entails in terms of a new contract, but you also become the CFLPA president. What's it been like for you? Yeah, it's been a whirlwind. Um, definitely, um, you know, I've been busy to say the least, but it's been fun. I really enjoy the process. It kind of started, um, uh, I guess, last year and last year, um, you know, talked to J.O., Jeremy O'Day, the GM. Saskatchewan and he asked me what my plans were and I said you know what I felt like my body uh you know was feeling pretty good and I wanted to play another year and preferably I would I'd like to play in Sask and um you know subsequently you know my agent Bardia and J.O. you know they worked on uh the, the terms and the agreement and you know everything is everything um you know it's a great opportunity to play for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders a great atmosphere um I really enjoyed myself it was you know, one of the you know the better experiences I've had since I've become um, been up in, in the CFL and been uh, you know fortunate to to play in the CFL. So all in all, it's been fun. Um, and then subsequently, we had player elections, and um, you know I threw my name in the hat. And really, my whole thing was I, before I was part of the player association, before I was a rep, my whole thing was asking questions, and I always wanted to know why why things were a certain way. And, you know, I soon realized it's always easy to criticize. And a lot of people, you know, you like to criticize, but until you're actually in the game and trying to help and trying to understand things and trying to see how you can leave your mark and you can leave things better than, um, you know, how you found it, um, then, you know, you just pretty much wait some time. So I threw my name in the a, in a ring and, you know, I was fortunate enough that guys voted for me to become president. And, you know, I'm really fortunate to have – um, a great group of guys, the executive um, level, as well as the player reps, a solid group of, of players there. And, um, you know, obviously you guys know Brian Ramsey, uh, who is the executive director, has done an outstanding job. And, you know, just everybody on our staff, you know, the all our staff employees, our advisors, our lawyers, it, it's a really good, um, you know, good group. And uh, in times like this, it's a group that has been working and quickly mobilized to, get information, communication out there to, to players. I really felt like, from the outside at least, that during the CBA negotiations that happened just a year ago, 
that you sort of slowly became comfortable and then I really feel like we're an outspoken figure for the union. What was that process like for you to go through? And then did being a part of it make you even more want to get into work and help and mold the membership? Uh, yeah, great, great question. Um, as you guys know, we, um, we got the collective agreement done uh, last year. It was a hectic process. Um, spent so much time uh, flying to Toronto and Vancouver in the offseason to meet with the CFL and just try to negotiate an agreement that we felt was fair for the players and also put the players in position to grow long-term, um, hence the, the 2.0 vision that Randy speaks about. But um, it wasn't until that point that I realized just you know how fortunate I was to be part of the, the negotiations, and I learned so much in that process and you know what a lot of time that i spent a lot of time we spent as players was um in these long meeting rooms nine ten hours a day and just trying to understand the whole picture of things and how things would uh, subsequently affect uh players affect the season and also affect the league so um i learned a lot and at that point i just started you know thinking of you know, how I could help, you know, it all starts with me asking questions, but also how I can help and things that I could do, you know, better. And obviously being an active player, I feel like our voices are more important to make sure that the changes and initiatives are driven, you know, from the players. Um, and, you know, subsequently, you know, the, that whole process, you know, I felt was positive and, you know, it's something that I felt like, you know, we built on and we kind of keep building on a lot of, the players, they were reps at the time. We made it a point to fly them into uh, the negotiations to see one-on-one and to see for themselves, you know, just how the process is and actually provide feedback and also put in, you know, provide input in, you know, different, uh, different, different issues. What was it like in those meetings? Because I feel like a lot of people on the outside think that, it's hardcore bargaining and there's sort of fists being slammed down on the table and maybe it can be tense. How did you feel about it though overall? And what was it like if you can maybe even provide an example of an issue that was bargained at the table, take us inside the room. Yeah. Well, you know what, there's, there's a whole lot of aspects to bargaining. Um, a lot of clerical work, a lot of, you know, articles and really you have to lay things down on how, it'll not just affect, um, you know, today, but also affect, you know, long-term. And, you know, obviously our list, you know, might contain a hundred different things that as players, we feel that we want as players, we feel like we're entitled to, but slowly and surely, you know, those things start winding down to key specific issues. Um, one thing that we wanted to focus on was, Obviously, player safety and, um, you know, WCB is something that we're still pushing for. But being able to triple uh, guys' um, you know, coverage from one year to three years for, um, you know, football-related injuries was something that's very important to us. And we feel like, you know, we've made strides in that area, but it's something that we feel like, you know, we're not, you know, we're not, you know, done yet. You know, we want to keep pushing. But, you know, all in all, I feel like, um, you know, compensation is always something that's going to come you know, come about, right? You know, as players, you know, we were the product and we feel as if that, you know, we deserve more pay. And from the league's standpoint, there's only so much that they feel like they could provide to us to maintain a viable business. So those are all 
always things that are always going to be contentious. Um, and all we wanted to be able to um, position ourselves for, you know, obviously want the league to grow. And if the league grows, then we get a bigger cut of that. And something that I feel was a positive that's maybe not talked to as much about is um, is the fact that we brought, you know, certain revenue sharings back. There's uh, certain um, language in there that has revenue sharing, something that we didn't have uh, prior to this last uh, CBA. A big win for the players. And clearly to me, it seems like those negotiations, you being a part of them, spurred you on to be becoming president. Now you're the CFLPA leader, and all of a sudden the coronavirus pandemic hits, training camps have been postponed, people have all these questions about the season. It just seems like such a fluid and unknown situation. So how have you tried to wrap your head around this and approached it in regards to being a player and also the president of the PA? Well, you know, I really look at it from the standpoint of, of the players, you know, how can we best provide services and resources for the players? So, you know, with this whole coronavirus, you know, being upon us, one thing that I told, you know, my group of guys is when this is over, when we overcome this, how is this going to shape us? You know, this, you know, sometimes tragedy, sometimes in the hard times, it has a strange way of bringing people together. And I feel like this is something that, can bring you know us together as players, but also um, the CFL. And my biggest key, my biggest initiative that I wanted to do was communication. I feel like with communication and information, it breeds patience. Um, you know, certainly there's a lot of unknowns out there, and it seems as if you know you turn the TV on, there's so much um, information, and the information is changing on a daily. So uh, what we did was we have. Um, we have calls with our reps um, twice a week where they're asking questions and we're giving them up-to-date information on anything that's going on in our talks with the CFL because we understand that at times where, you know, things are uncertain and, you know, anxiety levels are high, um, the biggest thing that guys want to want to know is um, questions that we might be able to help them with, but also just answering your phone and talking to guys and letting them know, listen, fellas, this is something that we're all in this together. And, you know, the CFL can only move so fast due to the federal and um, federal laws and, you know, federal initiatives that are out there in terms of, you know, the quarantine laws and the social gathering. So it's not something that um, is as easy as, you know, making a decision, but I feel like we're making proper steps. And it's not about you know, making fast or hasty decisions. It's about making the right decisions. And that's one thing that I re reiterate to the guys is player safety has to be the top priority. And we talk about player safety, so much goes, um, so much goes on with, uh, you know, what it takes to run a practice, run a training camp, you know, run game day operations that involve people outside of players, you know, support staff, coaches, fans, and in times like this, safety is the number one issue. So until we know what we're dealing with, um, it's always going to be a priority of ours to make sure that, you know, what we let the medical staff and the people that are in charge of safety lead the way in making those decisions, not making decisions based off, you know, monetary gain, right? That's right. Commissioner Randy Ambrosi has been open about a lot of those terms as well. And the 
one major part that everyone's focused on is, are we going to have a season? How long could that season be? Are there different iterations of a schedule? Have you had those discussion with the commissioner or with the league office that, you know, if the coronavirus pandemic does continue, and it is really unknown, that there are contingencies in place, let's say, where you could play an 18-game season, a 12-game season, a 9-game season, or what would be the minimum length for a CFL season in the player's mind? Um, all those things are good questions, and all those um, things you brought up are questions that, um, you know what, we haven't, you know, we haven't talked about in depth yet. Um, we have let the CFL know, and they, they do know that whatever decisions are made outside the collective agreement are some, is something that will have to be, you know, negotiated, will have to be talked through by us. And ultimately, you know, what, why I feel confident that, you know, things will go in the right direction is because I think that everybody's objective is, you know, to make sure that everybody, the players, the staff, are safe. So that's the number one priority. And, you know, all those things have to be looked at. All those things have to be discussed in conjunction with the federal laws and regulations, not just here, you know, in Canada, watching what Trudeau's doing, but also in the States, um, seeing what Trump and Washington, you know, are doing as well. So these talks, you know, I'm anticipating now will start happening. Um, As you know, the CFL just announced that uh, training camp will be postponed but I want to make myself clear that still does not mean that um, the regular season has been affected. Those are discussions that we will be having here shortly. And sort of to that end, have there been any talks about if in scenario X, let's say the season is shortened, does that affect players' compensation and how might the contracts look if the season does have to be condensed down? Um, in short answer, no, those um, specifics have not been talked about. And a broader uh, aspect of it, the concept of any changes to the season games, salary, is something that will be discussed, yes. It almost seems like to me, just talking to you and you know some other people throughout the league, that the coronavirus might almost create sort of its own CBA. Because like you were talking about earlier, if the season is changed and really anything that has to do with the league operating, the players are the main part of that, has to be agreed upon. So do you feel that way, that it's almost like, if you will, a coronavirus CBA that's going to have to be made up? Yeah, I think that's fair to say, just because, you know what, like I said, things are changing on the daily, there's so much uncertainty. Um, you know, every day you turn the news on, um, you're hearing Trudeau um, implement different subsidies for workers, for uh, people in Canada. You're seeing different um, regulations um, from the states and Canada as well. And you know what? You you have to look at it like that because we're in uncharted territories. There's no playbook on you know how things you know will be six weeks from now when things are changing um it seems every day every day right so um at the end of the day i feel like if we have the right intentions and, and that's to make sure that not just the players but support staff and the fans are in a safe environment then we'll do what needs to be done and we'll make sure that that's our top priority and obviously compensation is something that falls into you know what's fair or not so like I said, I don't want to go too too far into it because you know those are sensitive matters that you know will be discussed 
um, at the CFL, CFLPA level. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, I like to say that at the end of the day, things will be done in a, in a, in a fair manner, but also in a safe manner. There was sort of some talk, too, going around CFL circles that potentially, and obviously in a hypothetical way, if you had a shortened season, that what would happen with the salary cap? And maybe there were some rumors that it could be inflated because you would rather have veteran players who know how to play the game to have the highest caliber product on the field. Is that a thought from the player's side that could be brought to the table or brought to the league? Well, I mean, I, honestly, uh, Justin, there's so many things that you can throw out there, um, and there's a lot of speculations. And you know what? Just like you're thinking, players are thinking, you know, we're thinking. But until those talks happen, you know, I kind of don't want to delve into that because it just opens up a lot of um, things that, you know, we aren't there yet. Right now, just making sure that everybody is safe. And right now, it's making sure that we follow federal guidelines and in terms of quarantine and I think the first step has been established in terms of postponing training camp, seeing where we're at and then making decisions from there. Yeah, and it does seem like overall the only known quantity is that this is really unknown because you know, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I'm a doctor or medical professional. We have no idea what is gonna happen with this virus. So it seems like, you know, the players have accepted that, but you've been out in front of it warning guys to prepare for the worst and to put money away. How important is that for you to get the message out to your membership that, you know, there's chances that, and again, hypothetically, but that maybe football's not played this year and guys are going to have to supplement their income in other ways. So how important is it for you to get that message out there? Uh, that's, that's our number one priority is making sure that guys have information and also have resources, um, you know, I'm watching the news like everybody else, and I think they said somewhere around 3.5 million Americans applied for unemployment in one week. And, you know, that just lets you know that people are being uh, affected in all stages of life. Um, you know, this virus, you know, is one where it doesn't matter if you're old, young, rich, poor, it, it's affecting all manners of our life. So, you know, our thing is to make sure the guys understand that, you know, what uh, the worst case scenario is that there isn't football. And, you know, to make sure that, you know, you are making plans that's best for you and your family. And that's one thing that I'm proud of our work with the CFLPA is how fast we've been able to mobilize information to recent players, um, providing them resources such as the CFLPA Academy um, that provides guys with uh, financial literacy of, you know, things to do with when it comes to money and how to save. And also something that we'll be introducing here shortly is, is LifeWorks. It's a confidential employee assistance program that focuses on uh, the player's well-being. Um, and that's 24-7, 365. So it's all about providing guys with resources and, you know, trying to provide the guys with um, some level of uh, reassurance at a time when things seem that um, – you know, see things seem unsure. For sure. And we talked enough about the coronavirus. I feel like it's, you know, obviously front and center for a lot of people right now trying to stay safe. And we do hope everyone out there is taking the necessary precautions and, you know, prayers up doesn't get the virus. But let's give them some relief, man. Let's, let's talk about some football because, you know, one thing I'm curious about your take on as a veteran in the league and a guy that uh, has signed a number of contracts is, 
we saw the minimum salary go up and the cap was only bumped up a little bit and there were some people out there that felt like that might have caused sort of the middle class CFL player in terms of earnings to go away. How do you feel like the minimum salary being bumped up, I don't want to say affected, but maybe changed the landscape of the CFL, especially during free agency? Um, yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. And I think that one of the things that kind of get uh, missed in in the whole, um, you know, new CBA is the fact that we did get revenue sharing back. And that's a huge win for players that, you know, as the league grows, that, you know, extra money will be put into our players' pockets. And obviously every offseason there's tough decisions being made. You know, there's a lot of good players that, you know, don't have jobs. And many of those players are my friends and all that. And, you know, I still talk to these guys you know, today, um, to this day. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, teams are always going to do what they think it's best for them. And, you know, what we thought it was important to bring the minimum up. You know, I, I played in an era where the minimum was, you know, 40000 after taxes, uh, the exchange rate. You were left with nothing. And I know how hard it is. And we want to bring the CFL to a place that's, you know, respectable. We have to bring the minimum up. And, you know, unfortunately, the overall, um, you know, uh, salary cap didn't go up like we would like. But we feel like we position ourselves, um, you know, for, for future earnings. And in respect to, uh, in respect to, uh, um, you know, the, the, the CBA that, that we have signed. The revenue sharing idea, I do feel like you're on point there with that, that a lot of people sort of overlooked that, that they said, hey, well, the minimum went up and it's, you know, $65,000 now, and it might have crunched the current cap. But as you said, those escalators could push it higher. I mean, coronavirus notwithstanding, the league was well positioned and likely still is seemingly on an upward trend. And as you mentioned, the Global 2.0 initiative and the added TV money that's coming in on that new deal with TSN should boost the cap in the future. And at the time when you guys were negotiating the CBA, you had just had the AAF take a run at it, they're now defunct, and the XFL was coming in. So you had to have a way, I felt like, from the CFL's perspective, to entice players to come up here, as you said, for something more than nothing. Because after taxes, the guys that go back down to the States aren't left with very much. So I think your point's well taken there, that overall the cap does have the potential to grow. And if you can sort of maybe explain for the people out of there how much more money could be eligible to, to the players and how would they get that with that revenue sharing? Well, that's a model that we're currently looking into is how, you know, best would that money be distributed, um, you know, to the players. And one thing that, you know, I don't want to overlook is, is extended uh, coverage for, you know, injuries. You know, the, the old language was you were covered um, up to one year. Now we've tripled that coverage from one to three years where a player gets injured, you know, he has the, you know, he has the comfort knowing that, you know, those injuries will be, you know, uh, taken care of for, you know, three years. And that money had to come somewhere. And that was something that we wanted to focus our attention on because our members uh, let us know that it was important to them. So um, that is something that I feel like when you look at the overall number of the cap, you can't, you cannot, you know, uh, disregard the fact that you know the money that didn't necessarily go on the cap it went to other things like 
you know, extended uh, medical for our players. There's other key values like that out there and obviously tripling it, just hearing that sounds like that's a massive win for the players. And I think some people hear that and they would think, oh, well, you're just tripling the health coverage and that money doesn't directly go, let's say, to the players in their bank accounts. But the fact that you have a number of guys and Jonathan Huffney seems to be a case that a lot of people focus on. He was a guy that had suffered an injury and didn't feel like he was getting the proper funds after leaving football. So now that you have that three-year period in there, it seems like it was a real win for the players. And, and that's important, Justin, because as we know, the life of football players are relatively short. You know, more more your life will be spent outside of football than it is in football. So if a guy is, you know, after he's done playing football, if his body is, you know, banged up and he can't provide for his family, that puts a, a big strain on him moving forth in life. So we felt like it was important to triple that coverage where now, you know what, you can provide for your family, you can, you know, be able to move and to operate, not having a disability, not having something where you cannot get back on your feet because your medical uh, coverage had expired. Mm -hmm. Let's get actual football talk in, man. What was your first year like in Saskatchewan because you had spent literally your entire CFL career in BC. It was a shock yeah. to some people to see you go from orange and white to all of a sudden wearing green. But overall, yeah. what was the experience like in Ryderville? Uh, it was unbelievable. It was uh, definitely uh, fortunate that uh, Saskatchewan gave me an opportunity. Uh, you know, being so being late, uh, released so late in the um, off season, you know, you know, it was tough for any player. Um, but just thankful to Saskatchewan gave me an opportunity, and in, immediately I felt the love from the fans. Um, they reached out to me on social media, helped me from, you know, places to stay and just places, you know, to eat out and, you know, just welcomed me to the province. And it really is um, Saskatchewan. It's not Regina. It's a whole province that takes so much pride in their football club. And, you know, I, I said this before, I don't think I've ever experienced, um, you know, my career in B.C. where games in August – you know, felt like playoff games. You know, games in September felt like playoff atmosphere games. Um, you know, Labor Day Classics with Winnipeg, one of my favorite um, memories that I've had as a professional athlete. It was all in all more than I can imagine. You know, the, the love and the admiration. And, you know, game day, you have pretty much the whole city of Regina wearing their rider green, um, you know, it was it was unbelievable. I had a really good time, and you know I think that we uh, we surprised a lot of people. I feel like the talent was there, and I feel like we came together. And you know it, it was just tough that we were just so close from you know reaching that ultimate goal. But I feel like we have uh, JL's done a good job of um, bringing the you know the core group of guys back and really trying to bring you know the guys who helped us win last year back. Uh, try to make a run at this thing again this year. That green color might remind you of your days at Hawaii where that was prominent in their color scheme. Yeah, a lot of people re remind me that, you know, that's where I played my collegiate football at University of Hawaii. Great times. Was coached by uh, June Jones, who also had some stints in the CFL uh, as a coach with the Hampton Tiger Cats. But all in all, it, it was a great experience. And, um, you know, I, I learned a lot. You know, this last year, I think Coach 
Uh, Dickie did a great, great job as first year head coach. And you know what? The sky's the limit for us. And that's one thing I'm excited about is how much we're able to secure uh, the guys from last year's team back this year. And, you know, let's get things going. Did you have those games against BC marked out in big green highlighter on your schedule last year? <laughs> you know, if I didn't have it marked out, people sure reminded me from you know, <laughs> all the fans and players and, you know, just so many memories from my time in BC. And um, it was, you know, a special time in my in my career and also my life. You know, I grew a lot, um, spent nine years uh, wearing orange and living in, in the city of Vancouver and, you know, it means so much to me. And, um, you know, I, when I play the BC Lions, let's just say I try to do my best to put on a good show. <laughs> Man, we'll get you out on this because I'm sure a lot of people are curious. Everyone's sort of finding a way to stay busy at home and self-isolate and, and stay safe, with which we hope you are. So what's been keeping you busy during this time where you've sort of been uh, contained to being in the house? Well, busy, uh, that's my middle name right now. I've been up since 5 a.m., uh, this morning. Holy man. Yeah, it's just a bunch of meetings. We met with our uh, our medical commission and just to try to make sure that everything is, is on on track for the players in terms of the medical, you know, keeping up with our player reps, keeping up with executive, keeping up with the staff at the head office and um, doing, the, doing these interviews and just, you know, relaying the message to, you know, not just our players, but also the fans of what we're trying to do to provide them resources and just staying up to date on the current information as they come out. Cause as you see every day, some new information comes out. Um, and we just want to, uh, stay on, on point with that. Um, you know, right now, cflpa.com slash COVID-19, we have a whole uh, section of information for guys, um, you know, that talks about, you know, the, the COVID. It's a resource center where guys can get information on different things like our academy, our medical, the financial uh, feed, but also what the government is doing too. So that's been keeping me busy. But also these home workouts. Um, you know, now's the time that players are getting creative. You got to get creative in how you stay in shape. Um, so different things from, you know, YouTube and seeing different workouts, but also our strength and conditioning coach, uh, Coach Clinton has been doing a good job of um, staying engaged with, you know, the players, also myself, and also making sure that we have what we need, but also giving us different ideas on how we can get workouts in with the lack of uh, supplies or, or lack of having a gym, right? For the people out there, can you give them a Solly special? If they need a workout to do at home, what's your go-to right now? <laughs> uh, you know what? You got to go jailhouse style. One thing that's always going to tire you out no matter what you're in shape is burpees man you get some burpees going and you uh you tie that in with some burpees pull-ups some lunges you know that'll always get you going and um you know i just tell people like you know find stuff around you maybe there's a park or maybe there's some stairs you know yesterday you know i found these cool stairs and i just did um you know some stair workouts when i'm running up and down the stairs and you know skipping one and you know two feet jumps single leg jumps and you know like i said it's, it's a time where you can you know, really get creative and just kind of push yourself. All right, man. We might have to get the Solly Burpee Challenge going on Twitter and social media and make a trend. Oh, man, I'm ready, man. I'll take all comers, man. Let's do it. <laughs> Solly, man, really appreciate your time. You just detailed how busy you are day to now, day now with your CFLPA responsibilities, along with being, obviously, a pro player yourself, man. So stay safe out there, and 
where we all have our fingers crossed that we get to see you and the rest of the membership back out on the field playing ball when it's safe. Uh, thank you. And I'm um, just, you know, I want to give a shout out to all the uh, first responders and all the uh, medical, um, you know, people that are really on the front lines and are doing a great job of, you know, helping, you know, people through this tough times and trying to keep everybody safe while putting their, their lives on, on the line. So we want to give a big thanks to those people. Well said, Solly, man. Be well. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.